All right, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk Michigan Edition. Jeff here, Dan, how are you, man? Doing all right, man. The uh, the fall weather really smacked us uh, starting Monday. I'm really cold, really quick, but it's uh, it's hoodie and jeans weather, and I'm all for it. Yeah, we do pretty similar jobs where we uh, drive around forklifts outside in this kind of weather, and um, I'm like, here's the thing. I'm like hoodie and jeans golden. Yeah. Okay. As soon as I'm a little chilly in the hoodie, it's like, damn it, because now I got to throw another layer on. Yeah. And then you're in that you're in that weird verge where it's like sometimes you're too warm, sometimes you're too cold, but sometimes mm. you're like perfect. Just like it's a it's an odd little uh, little time. I wear uh, fleece lined pants too that are super comfortable. Whereas it feels like I'm wearing fucking sweatpants at work. So I'm totally I, and I'm I'm a greasy bastard. So like when I when I've got like a hoodie on and then I got like a, another jacket on top because it's like it'd be like the winter time or maybe yeah. Maybe like, you know, December, January, and uh, then I start sweating on the back of my neck. <clears throat> and then I feel like I need to shed a layer, and then I'm, like, sweating in the cold. That, to me, is, like, like the worst predicament you could find yourself in. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, um, here we are. Michigan is a whopping 6-0. and Cruising through the schedule. We're halfway down, okay? Uh, this week, we went to Minnesota. Played for the Little Brown Jug, and from about seven seconds into the game, we never looked back after a Will Johnson pick six. Michigan wins 52 to 10. JJ, the normal stats, he was 14 to 20, uh, 219 and a touchdown. He added two more on the ground. Blake Corum, 69 yards rushing, had a TD. So that ties Mike Hart, his running back coach, uh, 40 for his career. Uh, he just continues to climb up the ladder. Next up would be uh, – actually, it might even be 41. Is it 41 it's or 40. 41. It is 41. Okay. Denard's 42. Yeah, Denard's 42. That's up next. So, it's sorry, it's not 40. He had 40. He now has 41. He's tied with Mark Hart. Denard's 42. So, he's just creeping up the ladder. Uh, yeah, I didn't get to watch this game live. I went out with some friends slash family. Uh, it was uh, – Friend of the pod, Andrew Nutter, his wife turned 30 years old. So we kind of did a, a mini surprise party for her, had some dinner, went uh, corn mazing until late. And uh, I figured it was a game that I could miss. No issues there. Uh, better to hang out with the family and, and make some memories. So uh, did you watch the game live? I did. I had two TVs going because Michigan hockey started Saturday night at home. And uh, so I was kind of. Mostly focusing on Michigan football because, you know, that's, you know, more near and dear to my heart. Plus, it's on the big screen TV. That's where the volume's at. But I was watching Michigan hockey simultaneously, and it was uh, nice, relaxing being at home. I'm still getting over the cold I had last time we recorded. So uh, it was kind of nice just to just have the kids in bed and just kind of be, uh, be upstairs with my wife. Yeah, so uh, Will Johnson starts the game off with an absolute bang. Uh, just jumps an out route, picks it off, takes it to the house, untouched. And that kind of started what was a landslide of uh, of good fortune plays for Michigan. Blake Corum rips off a 40-yard rush. Uh, there was uh, just a lot of methodical plays moving down the field. J.J. punching it with his legs a couple of different times there. 
uh, had a deep deep pass to Cornelius Johnson. Uh, there's another Keon Sab pick six late in this game. I just thought Michigan played another complete game. It's funny because to some, depending on who you are, whether or not you cover a spread may dictate what you think of a team. <laughs> and, and against the quote-unquote soft non-conference that Michigan plays, they don't cover. And then back-to-back Big Ten matchups, they just absolutely slaughter their opponents. Uh, oppressions of Michigan thus far uh, with their with their larger spread covers these last couple of weeks, how they've looked. Go ahead, take away. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, definitely a balanced ball club. Gotten a lot of a lot of players to rotate in. PJ Fleck, the the Minnesota head coach, made a comment in his post game press conference saying, you know, Michigan, I think. Brought in 75 guys to travel and like 73 or 74 of them played. So they're getting a lot of experience and reps in here. Uh, Quail Mullings kind of looked more in tune with everything. You know, last year, you know, he got harped on a lot, especially by by us with the fumble against TCU. But, you know, eight for 47, he seemed like uh, just more acclimated with the offense and more comfortable being a running back full time instead of being that between or between that linebacker. Uh, Colson Loveland had one for one catch on the day, which ended up being a score. You know, you mentioned it, Keon Samuel Johnson pick six each. I think that's three on the year as a team total. Um, you know, Blake Corman wasn't asked to do a whole lot, and that's good, man. Nine carries, 69 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I thought it was really sweet to see Jason McCarthy, you know, really, I'm not comparing him to Tim Tebow by any means, but that fiery competitiveness is really. Really fun to watch. You know, a lot of quarterbacks will slide or run out of bounds, and he will lower the shoulder. We've seen that last year even. And when you see that type of uh, physicality from your quarterback, it amplifies your team. It, it pumps them up. Now, granted, there's repercussions sometimes when you do that. You know, you risk injuring yourself, whatever, but it's not nothing where he's been, you know, Bill Romanowski and, you know, stuff like that out there. But, I mean, he is being physical with the ball in his hands, and that's great to see. Uh, one other thing, too, is – uh, Mason Graham been missing him for the last week week or two because of his injury, and he's essentially playing with one hand. And he goes out with six tackles, one sack, and, and a tackle for loss in this game. And he's just absolutely wreaking havoc on the line of scrimmage. And uh, it's been good to see because I think it's been a long time since we've seen this level of uh, play at D tackle since probably uh, Mar- uh, Maurice Hurst. So, yeah. You know, there was a, a – you said Tim Tebow a second ago, and you're like, yeah, I'm not trying to compare him to Tim Tebow, whatever. Uh, there was a player I compared him to that they just feel like they play a very similar style. And, again, I'm not trying to compare him to so-and-so player, but I do think that there's a little bit here. He he reminds me – talking about JJ here. He reminds me a lot of Marcus Mariota. Kind of a smaller build quarterback where they're not going to plow you over but they do a lot in the passing game and they're definitely a threat with their legs. Definitely not a quote unquote, um, like dynamite runner, like Marcus Mariota averaged 700 yards rushing every year. That was pretty much his 752, 715, 770. I mean, he was a 700 yard rusher, right? Um, his last season where he won the Heisman, he was obviously dynamite 42 passing touchdowns, 16 rushing touchdowns. Like, I don't think that's coming, but 
I mean, Mariota is kind of like the ceiling of JJ kind of in a way, and who knows what their pro careers would look like, but I do think that JJ is like the poor man's Mariota. That's kind of what I compared him to the other day. Uh, real real quick before we, before we move on. So another one I think is uh, is maybe somewhat is uh, – I was just thinking about it when you said uh, Mariota is Jordan Lynch from Northern Illinois uh, from uh, probably about 10 years ago now. He was the MAC Offensive Player of the Year. Um, he was damn near a Heisman Trophy. Uh, he was invited from, in New York, correct? So 2013, he threw for just under 3,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, eight picks. I feel like that's – I mean, in the year before that, was just similar. So I feel like, you know, and he was a, he was a mobile quarterback. He um, – I mean, he uh, – hold on a second. Give me a second. Sorry. Um, rushing, receiving. Maybe not um, – Well, I take that back. I mean, he ran for nineteen hundred yards in twenty thirteen. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm gonna get a little, uh, little boisterous there with the rushing comparison. But I, I feel just with the mobility wise, I guess is why I'm trying to come from. Yeah, yeah. I just think that JJ is kind of truly establishing himself as somebody that wants to beat you with his arm, but is willing to beat you with the legs if that's what the game dictates. And that's kind of what we've always asked, you know. Um, yeah, I thought Michigan was solid. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about how we win. For me, it was two things. Turnovers that result in touchdowns. <laughs> Anytime you get a tur- pick six, a fumble recovery for six, whatever it is, if your defense creates points 99% of the time, you're probably going to win. I mean, the, the winning percentage of a defensive touchdown shoots through the roof. Second thing. And we literally just got done talking about it. QB winning with their feet. You just become a different team, a different. It's a harder defensive ask when your quarterback is willing to put his feet into the end zone. So uh, what did you have for how we win? <clears throat> um, Brain McGregor, he I mean, he's showed flashes of it last year. And so there's not going to be. It's not a gaudy stat as a defensive lineman, but being, but he's, you know, deflecting passes, the line of scrimmage, getting uh, in the way of the uh, quarterback eyesight. And he had, I believe, tipped a pass this game. He tipped a pass in the game earlier this year that I think either led to an interception or damn near was really close. But I feel like he is just, he's in the flats on almost every screenplay and he's super tall. He's just a big fella. And uh, I think he's making life miserable for quarterbacks, especially the guys that are trying to check it down doing a phenomenal job there and the other other without repeating what you said i guess really this just defense is a is a whole unit they they just complement each other from top to bottom and this is the third week in a row where they face a team that predicates themselves running the ball they take that away they make you throw it on them and i know um you know this probably goes into my dislike per se but like you know mikey sanderson gave up a touchdown they've literally given up three Big play, quote unquote, all year, and this just happens to be one a game the last three weeks. And I mean, it is what it is. I'm not gonna, you know, scrutinize them for it. But uh, but as a whole, man, this defense has been pretty pretty lights out, especially with how many guys they rotate, which I alluded to earlier, and not being really 100% healthy until conference play. Uh, how we lose? Uh, you kind of just talked about it. It really has to do with 
quote unquote big plays. Um, they've given up very few points this year. They're just they're they're being so stingy. Their rush defense, as far as the yards per carry, is staggeringly low. Um, this is the first time they've given up double digits all year, and it was ten. So I'm I'm not going to destroy this team. They didn't give up a touchdown until it was twenty four to three. Is what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, big plays. That's how we lose. You kind of already touched on that. How do we improve? What do you got for that? Um, I would just say, man, it's gonna be. I don't say me coach speak, maybe, but I just say just keep this locker room and this culture together and be ready for to face adversity because. This team hasn't really faced some high-stakes moments just yet, and they will here in the coming weeks. And next week against Michigan State may not be the most talented team they play all year, but that game is going to be uh, high in anxiety, high tension, high, uh, you know, um, all sorts of level of uh, emotions. They, they just got to get ready for it, and they just have to keep their head on a swivel. And, uh, you know, they got the, they got the locker room. Um, in a right in a good place, and so I just think if the, the locker room stays you know, the way it is, I think the sky's the limit. Yeah, for me, it was the kicking game. I know you're not asked to kick a bazillion field goals, but you went seven of seven on extra points, uh, and then your one field goal, you, you put that to the uprights too. So I love to see that. I kind of harped on that. I don't know if it was last week or the week before that we just needed to get better in the kicking game. One of our mailbag questions was, you know, what Michigan former great would you add to the team? And I said, Jake Moody, this this was nice to see. Seven to seven extra points, kicked an extra once. You were eight for eight on the day. Don't matter what the distance is. That's impressive. So uh, kicking game continues to improve. Um, anything else on Michigan, Minnesota? They bring home the brown jug convincingly. It, it's never in doubt. Any other comments here? No, not really. Um, I, I touched on it last week because I went through – we were going through the breakdown, and I said something about Minnesota only has two wins on Michigan since, like, 80, 1987, which I thought – I still think, to, to look, looking back at it now, it's just kind of head-scratching. I didn't think it was that much of a a gap from one of another. You know, I know they – they beat U of M at uh, in Ann Arbor in 2005 with Lawrence Maroney and stuff like that. And I was just, I was like, damn, I mean, it's been a pretty much a, a dominating factor or in domination fashion since then. I know that I was in 2014. They also lost because of Brady hoax and incompetent ass. But, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that Minnesota 2005. If I'm not so Lawrence Maroney was the lead back. If I'm not mistaken, Marion Barber was the second right. straight back. Yes. Yeah. They were, they were loaded. I'm looking it up now if it'll come up. Yep. Lawrence Maroney, actually a guy named Gary Russell. So maybe Lawrence, maybe um, maybe Marion Barber had already gone pro. So I I know they were they were a tandem before, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, Michigan does not play great in this game. 14 of 29 for Chad Henney. Hart has 28 for 109, so they just struggle to move the ball, and they get beat 23-20. Yeah. Field goal in the fourth quarter took care of it. So, uh, Back to this year's Michigan. So lots of rumors out there. Sounds like Jim Harbaugh might be on the verge of an extension. 
I literally on uh, what is today? This is it's Tuesday. Yesterday, early morning, actually it might have been just after lunch. I was talking to a Michigan friend of mine, and I just got done telling him, I'm like, I think there's a there's a really good chance that Harbaugh just doesn't come back. Uh, he's gonna finish this year. He, wherever he finishes this year, it's better than where he left the program. But there's a good chance he's a playoff team again. There, he has every good a chance to host a national championship, uh, Big Ten championship for the third straight year, potentially beating Ohio State for the third straight year. There's a lot of things on the table. He's also he said this a few different times, and there's a lot of projections that they could potentially put 15 plus kids in the draft. So all that being said, this would be the perfect time for him to leave, especially if the Los Angeles Chargers job opens up, you know, Justin Herbert, you got back California. He loves California. There's a lot of things that make sense, but at the same time, it's like, if they're going to offer him this massive contract, that's huge for us. I mean, you continue the, the momentum that this program has, where do you think a contract for Harbaugh lies? Do you think that's just smoke and mirrors? Do you think he signs that kind of a contract? Or do you think this is kind of it, or does it remain to be seen? Short answer, I really don't care about next year I, or the future. I am all or nothing for this season. Having said that, I think that uh, a deal needs to get done rather soon, sooner rather than later, I, and I, I hope it does happen because a lot of the momentum needs to be carrying through. The recruiting class took a few hits this offseason, um, but they need, to, they need to put it together and finalize everything, put it on paper. And I, I know there's a lot of rumors about his relationship with Ward Manuel and all that jazz, but get it done. Just get it done. Sign the dude. Be done with it. Um, but, you know, next year, man, with the attrition, it makes me nervous, man, because, like, the schedule's going to be a lot harder. And a lot of quarterbacks that are in, those, in the Pac-12 that are going to be coming over here are going to be in the NFL as well. Caleb Williams. Imagine he's gone. Bo Nix is gone. He's like 30 years old. So Oregon and USC are going to be implementing a brand new quarterback under center there. Dante Moore is probably going to be the most experienced out of those teams. So schedule on paper looks a lot t- harder, a lot tougher. So um, with that having said, with that you know being out there, I just I just natty or bust here is what I've been saying. So yeah, no, absolutely, it's been natty or bust. So. <laughs> Uh, this week, actually, let's talk a little bit of last week's college games before we get into the next one. Uh, just a second here. I got the uh, games pulled up. So let's start with uh, Georgia against number one Kentucky. It's never close. It's uh, 34-7 at the half. They went 51-13. A lot of people picking Kentucky to potentially upset Georgia. Georgia plays their best game of the year. Opinions there. Yeah, they curb stomped them. I uh, I, I threw a shitty parlay together and I put I put uh, Kentucky in the plus there on the spread, and obviously that didn't happen. I had a little more faith in them than uh, I guess what uh, actually came to fruition. But yeah, Georgia curb stomped them, and then Mark Stoops, the Kentucky head coach, fouls off in the post game and basically complains that Kentucky doesn't uh, have the uh, NIL strength that Georgia does, and Georgia pays all their players to play. We don't have enough money to play uh, to pay all of ours. Cry me a freaking river. You already 
stole two U of M commits because you paid him the bag already. So um, it was kind of nice to see him lose though uh, at the end of it. Yeah, I just thought that was uh, something that Georgia was kind of they had in their back pocket. At some point, we were going to see it. I didn't think this was a horrible Georgia team, like everybody kind of been saying. But right, right. I also didn't. I also didn't think they'd be slamming Kentucky like that. Uh, another one. This is probably the biggest game of the day. It's the Red River rivalry. Uh, number twelve Oklahoma upsets number three Texas, thirty-four thirty in the thriller. Dylan Gabriel is huge. Uh, everybody kind of had crowned this Texas team after they beat Alabama. Oklahoma had been taking care of their business. They win this game. Opinions. Yeah, definitely a good game. I, I was tuning in back and forth <coughs> when I could. It was exciting, and I caught um, – I didn't catch the, the final stanza on this one live, but I did see Dylan Gabriel driving down with, you know, just 15 seconds to go, and it was pretty electric, man. It was unfortunate to see the – Former Wolverine here, Andrew Anthony, leave the game due to injury. So hopefully he um, he rehabs quickly and gets back on the field. But um, I guess Matthew McConaughey wasn't all right, all right, all right. Uh, number four, Ohio State hosting Maryland, undefeated Maryland. Maryland uh, not only had kind of controlled the first half, they outplayed Ohio State in the first half. Even almost through three quarters, unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Ohio State has a massive fourth quarter. They even cover the spread. Uh, I had Maryland on the money line uh, for 25 bucks. I was offered a cash opportunity of 77. I didn't take it. You know, it's the story of my life. Um, mm-hmm. Opinions on Ohio State. I thought, to be honest, I, I'm not just digging Ohio. I think they look vulnerable. Uh, they can be passed on. They can be controlled. I thought Maryland did a lot of great things. Uh, Ohio State's just so much more talented, and it showed in the fourth quarter. But ultimately, I, I, I don't see how the Ohio State fans would see this team as a, a quote-unquote top-four team. I just There's nothing I've seen that, that tells me that. Well, and it's interesting, too, is like a lot of the uh, Michigan detractors on Twitter are, are using the argument um, – of the ESPN FPI ranking system where it still, still for some reason has Ohio State ranked number one to get to the national championship. I don't know how you find that out through that formula by watching their games. Now, I have to give credit to the Buckeyes. Their, their defense stepped up when it needed to, and it picked off Tago two times, and uh, in the second half kind of slowed them down a little bit. But, you know, Ohio State offensively, 29 pass, 33 rush, They so that is balanced. But, uh, you know, they had a great strong connection between McCord and Harrison. The run game, I mean, just 62 yards on the ground. So there's there's a lot of issues there still that they're trying to wrinkle out. Ryan Day, you know, um, visually upset on the sidelines, you know, motorboating his lips and shaking his head and yelling at Kyle McCord for screwing up and, He's obviously frustrated that this defense or excuse me, that this offense isn't clicking on all cylinders all the time or not enough. So this is what it is. As long as he goes to bed every night, reminding himself that he's tough. um, Godspeed, Ryan. Oh, goodness. What else we got here? So USC struggles with Arizona one week after Washington struggles with Arizona. 
is Arizona the best three and three team in the country, or are these Pac-12 teams just maybe not as good as we think they are? I just think their defenses are ass. I mean, it's uh, you know, Lincoln Riley got got uh, got grilled on that on social media about his about his piss poor defense, but they they almost choked it away, man. They almost choked it away. Uh, it's crazy that Caleb Williams has to do all that work and to uh, eke it out. This is what back to back weeks, I think it was like that. So yeah. Uh, number 10, Notre Dame travels to Louisville. We talked about this game last week and how it was going to be a dogfight. Louisville stays undefeated and beats Notre Dame 33-20. to Kind of controls this one. Uh, Louisville with Brom. The former Purdue head coach, yeah. Yes, correct. I forget his first name. Forgive me. But, uh, yeah, I think that they, they're moving in the right direction. Louisville is a solid team. I'm curious who they play this week. Um, they've always kind of had a very unique home field environment. They've always played pretty well there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Jack Harlow was in the, in the crowd. So that's obviously, you, you know, I know you're a huge fan. Yeah. Snooze fest there. I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was kind of funny, I guess, in my arrogance that they, they rushed the field after the game. But, uh, I mean, you, you, you beat a, a top 10 team, but. Notre Dame is just kind of looking like classic Notre Dame under Brian Kelly. You are hovering around that top 10 or inside the top 10 in September, and then come October, you start fading away, and that's exactly what's happening. And uh, uh, good for good for Louisville, man. It's been, a, I think, probably since Lamar Jackson, since they've been a threat, and um, they got the momentum. Uh, LSU, everyone's dogging on them. But they come, they go to Missouri, and they beat them 49-39 with a massive fourth quarter. Uh, they moved to four and two. They dropped Missouri to their first loss. Nothing's changing for me on LSU. I think Missouri and LSU are probably right there with each other. Opinions on this game? Not that much. I just, um, I was obviously pulling for Missouri because I don't like Brian Kelly at LSU, but. 22 fourth quarter points. That was uh, they had to dig deep to to get that one, and um, yeah, not much else I could say. I mean, it, I didn't watch it, but uh, from the highlights, man, it would look pretty interesting. It looked fun. Uh, this week, Michigan's got Indiana, 12 o'clock. It's going to be uh, the big noon kickoff. You got Joe Klatt, Gus Johnson, Jenny Taft. Uh, Michigan favored by. This is again. This is according to ESPN, thirty-three and a half. Are you seeing that? Yes, I am. Five touchdowns. That's it's a large number. Um, my wants for this week: Jack Tuttle, the AJ Barner touchdown late in the game. I think that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Take it away. What do we need to know about Indiana? Well, um, real quick, the Hoosiers are twelfth on scoring offense and tenth on scoring defense in the conference. So. Not great. They're 13th on rush offense, 12th on rush defense. Pass offense and defense are at uh, 8th and 7th. Um, Taven Jackson, their quarterback who transferred from Tennessee through five games, has got two passing touchdowns and three picks. He's been sacked seven times all year. Not much of a runner, so his uh, rushing total is in the negative because of the sack uh, being um, tallied onto that. Former Michigan and Wake Forest running back Christian Turner has got 40 carries for 177 on the season. Uh, they do have some d- decent wide receivers. Uh, Cam Camper, he's 
he's been there for a little while, so um, gonna have to shut him down. I just don't think this Indiana offense is efficient enough to hang with Michigan. Normally, Indiana can put up a fight here. Tom Allen's a fiery coach, and he gets these boys amped up, which they will probably be amped up in the pregame. But I think Michigan will just take their will by halftime. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to take them lightly, but I think this could get ugly for Indiana really quick, and um, because of just how anemic their offense is, I'm not. Uh, I'm not expecting them to get across the 50-yard line too many times. So, you know, they might get a garbage time touchdown late like the, some other teams have with uh, backups in there. But uh, I'm saying – I'm thinking like 45-6 uh, Wolverines. I think it's going to be a big one. I didn't realize Christian Turner was there. Yeah. Yep. He's their lead back? I want to say lead back. I think – I don't know. I have it in front of me. I can't look, but uh, they're – Number one, number two running backs. I, I think I've seen the carry total at like 49 and 40. So it's pretty okay. Sick. So he's a dual bad guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Indiana gave Ohio State a scare week one, played him really tough. I mean, you don't foresee any of that energy come into this game. No, that was week one. I think a lot of eggs, a lot of, you know, a lot of eggs in the basket for that one. And then, you know, they blow out Indiana State. Whoop de doo. They lose to Louisville. They, they barely get by Akron. And then they got, they got torched by Maryland. So, how bad so, did Louisville beat them? Uh, 21-14. And they played Louisville at home. They played in Bloomington. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I know. So, so real quick, their two, their two toughest opponents are Ohio State and Louisville. What was the Ohio State score? Twenty-one-three. They held two very good teams to twenty-one. Yeah. Yeah, I got Michigan dropping at least 42 in this game. So, uh, real quick, Louisville rushed for a buck 84 on them, uh, threw for 238 on them, Jack Plummer, and then Taven Jackson, Indiana's quarterback. He had a good day through the air, 24 for 34, 299, a touchdown and interception, but uh, on the ground, only 58 yards on 27 carries. So, they relied heavily in the arm, to, uh, in, the, in the air assault there and they scored all 14 of their points just in the third quarter so no you're right i mean i i, I don't want to take them lightly but i just think this is a, a normally a a feisty indiana team and i just don't see it this time around so you had them 45 6 you got the cover yeah okay uh anything else on michigan indiana um no, not really. See here, one of the big games for this week. There's quite a few on the slate. Three thirty, ABC, number eight, Oregon, five and zero on the year. Travels to Washington, number seven in the country, five and zero on the year. Uh, something's got to give. These are two very good teams. Washington's been doing whatever they want offensively. Oregon's been doing whatever they want offensively. The over under is sixty seven. Fireworks. Oh, yeah. Who you got, who you got here? This I don't has to be, I haven't even looked. This has to be college game day, right? I don't know. And I don't know who I even have on this one. That uh, I think it was Fox Sports put out a graphic a little bit ago. Uh, Oregon is averaging 51.6 points per game. Washington is averaging 46. Their total yards, Oregon 557. Washington 569. They're averaging almost nine, uh, nine yards per play. I, this game is going to be bonkers. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a favor in this game. I, I, I guess maybe because my last year bias towards Michael Penix Jr. and the Huskies. So maybe I'll lean that way. But uh, this is going to be a fun one. And thank God for YouTube TV multi-view because uh, I'm going to try to get this in the quad box. So game day is going to be here for this one. This is going to be a massive game. Uh, I don't know. I just – the spread's Washington minus three. Is that what you're seeing too? The spread's what? Yeah, Washington minus three. Are you looking on ESPN? Yeah. That's where I'm at, too, so I'm just, yeah. Okay, same. okay. Yeah, if that's the spread, truly, I think Oregon's the play here. I think there is a chance they win this game. Uh, uh, I actually like them outright. I just think that they are – what I've seen has been more impressive than what I've seen of Washington. Washington seems like they can kind of throw it around, but Oregon seems like they can do a little bit of both. Yeah. I really like Oregon to kind of go on the road and, and beat Washington. Neither neither thing would surprise me. I could see Washington win and Oregon winning. I think the only thing that would shock me is if one team was winning by like 21 plus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. By the way, Louisville, 25 last week in the country, up to 14, 6 and 0 in the country. Yeah. They got a cakewalk this week with Pittsburgh, but I wanted to point that out. Uh, another banger, 7.30 at night, undefeated, reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams and the number 10 Trojans, heading to South Bend to play number 21, Notre Dame, 5-2. and two. Notre Dame's had a couple of rough weeks here. They have 10 men on the field and lose to Ohio State. They go on the road and beat Duke. They go on the road and lose to Louisville. They're coming back home. Can they upset USC in that weaker defense, or do you think USC just takes care of business here? Um, Spreads Notre Dame minus two and a half, by the way. I can't rule out a Notre Dame win here. They, I mean, obviously they have, they're probably more of a complete team compared to USC because obviously USC has no defense, period. But I think this is, if, I mean, I'll tell you what, if Notre Dame would have at least won last week, and you know, only have one loss. I think this probably would have been like Caleb Williams, like climax of the, his Heisman campaign, really, or his uh, pivotal point. You know what I'm saying? A lot of storyline there. But mm-hmm. um, man, I I couldn't tell you, man. I don't know uh, who I'd go with here, but I probably man. So my gut's telling me that Notre Dame is going to win this game, but I want to I want to see USC to win. And I'll tell you what, you can get Oregon and USC both on the money line for plus money, and when you parlay them, it's got to be a nice payout. I think I might play that this weekend. Um, let's talk about this team we didn't talk about last week. Seven thirty on ABC. Number 25 in the country, the Miami Hurricanes, 4-1, coming off one of the worst coaching mistake losses I've ever seen in my life, where they didn't need it, handed the ball off, fumbled, and allowed the other team to then go four plays, 76 yards for the tutty win. They're traveling to North Carolina to play the Tar Heels, number 12 in the country, 5-0, Drake May. Is this a Miami bounce-back show the world we're not a mess up team or is this a is this a drake may just where are you at on this one carolina's favored by three and a half 
My gut's telling me is that North Carolina is going to squish them and Miami is just going to fade into the into the abyss. I'll have a lot of I have a lot of family that live in Florida and several of my cousins who are, are um, actually my second cousins, but we're close because they're the same, you know, roughly my age. But, you know, they're huge Miami Hurricanes fans. They are Hurricane fans as we are Michigan fans. And I was messaging my my one cousin, Sean, um, during the game because I watched it live. And we were just going back and forth, and he just responded like <laughs> he was the last thing he said to me. He was like, "Burn it to the fucking ground," and fight like fire everybody. But um, I, uh, you know, I've said before on this podcast, like I think Miami is one of those you know five six teams that college football is better when they're good, and it's been a long time since then. Um, I just my gut feeling is telling me that North Carolina's has come out here and, and stop on them, and. Uh, and whatnot, but yeah, that was one of the worst coaching decisions I've ever seen in my life. How it's like I I was just I was texting about like I said my cousin I was like if this isn't like NCAA fourteen where you're trying to get one more rush attempt to boot to boost your stats like take the freaking knee they have no timeouts you have almost a guaranteed victory is it worth it you know what I mean and it was like I don't know that was uh, indefensible irresponsible it just doesn't make any sense hold on a second i would have been okay so next game on the list eight o'clock on fox you got number 18 ucla dante moore and company four and one on the year traveling to number 15 oregon state who's five on the one five and one uh oregon state just upset utah just two weeks ago i don't know who oregon state's one losses to though do you know who it is? Yeah, let's find out. It is uh, Washington State on the road. Ugh. Don't love by, that. They lost by three points. So, uh, that was when Washington State was ranked 21st at the time. And then UCLA's only loss is to Utah. So, where and they beat Washington State. So, it's funny. They, they've beaten teams that they've lost to and lost teams they've beaten. So, that's fun. Where are you at on this one? Oregon State seems really good at home. They obviously took care of Utah. Uh, a true freshman quarterback in Dante Moore that apparently sucks per Wolverine devotee and deletes his tweets and shit, but that's neither here nor there. Where are you at on this? <laughs> I think it's going to be uh, – I mean, it's only a minus four, but I'm probably going to go – I'm going to go with the Beavers here. They, I, uh, I got burned on last time by taking the Utes. They're at home. Primetime game, freshman quarterback on the road. Yeah, give me the Beavers close. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, anything else? We got uh, got Michigan Brown Jug. Talk a little hardball potential extension. Uh, last week's games, this week's games, Michigan Indiana. Anything else on your on your mind here? No. The only thing is that uh, I'll the only other game I'm probably. I'm going to say I'm going to watch because it's going to be boring as hell. But I'm going to keep tabs on it is the Michigan State game just because once Michigan gets by, excuse me, that's a Michigan Indiana's noon. So once the game is over with, it's going to be rivalry week versus Michigan State instantly. So I'm ready for it. It's going to be a, 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 a it's going to be an intense week. So I'm just, that's just where my mindset's at after, uh, after we take down Indiana. Yeah, we talked about this at the beginning of the season. It was heavily rumored that Michigan would be heading to East Lansing for a night game this year. 
nothing was ever confirmed until uh, earlier this week. And I think it is a perfect setting. East Lansing at night, Wolverines heading to town. After everything that transpired in the tunnel last year, this game has monumental rivalry status put all over it. Michigan State's not very good. They lose to just about everybody right now. Their 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 program is in absolute disarray. Mel Tucker's been fired before he even came. And uh yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to that one too. I don't know how much of this Michigan game I'm going to see this weekend, but I'm excited to watch Michigan, Michigan State next weekend. My son's got a soccer tournament this weekend. Hopefully, uh, they haven't lost a single game. They're six and zero. They have yet to give up a goal. Oh, they have not given up a goal. I think the goal differentials in six games is probably over fifty to zero. Um, yeah. So I'm very excited. Their tournaments are this weekend, and uh, if they if they win on Saturday, they'll play on Sunday, and then that'll be for the championship. So. Excited about that. Uh, New England sucks, so Michigan's kind of all I have right now. So um, it's natty or bust. It's natty or bust. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, my Raiders, we can only score 17 points. So that's that's the margin there, so the, the, the limits of if we don't, if we can't hold the <coughs> team we're playing against under that, we're screwed. So I, I really only care about Michigan and fantasy football at this point in time. I really – give two shits about about the about my Raiders but it's gonna be it's gonna be fun man and uh yeah like with the Michigan State game if we didn't if we were going to Happy Valley this year that honestly I really thought about going East Lansing this time around I haven't been there since 07 so uh I'm kind of glad it worked out the way it did to go to Happy Valley instead but um you know this is a point of the year where what for me like once you hit Halloween there's like this. Uh, it's like when the when the sun rises and sets. It's like when that when that sun sets, or Halloween is over with, man. It's like you're in November and you're like, man, the holidays are gonna be here. And then right when that Thanksgiving hits, it's like boom, regular season for college is over. It's like <clears throat> we're right there in, in the meat of it. We are. Uh, one last thing, I feel like we have to talk about this. Uh, do you know who the Raiders play this weekend? Patriots. The Patriots, yeah. Raiders host New England, 4 o'clock, CBS. Raiders are favored by three. Who you got? absurd to me. That is absolutely absurd to me. I think this is going to be one of the most disgusting football games I've ever seen in my life. Here's where I'm at. First off, I'm at, the, at this point, I'm hoping New England goes into the tank. Okay? But part of me thinks that we can beat you guys and should beat you guys. It should be favored in this game. It's bonkers to me that New England has just absolutely turned into, like, this dumpster fire. Like, we became the Lions overnight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we look like we can't coach. We look like we can't not turn the ball over. What I don't want to happen is the Patriots to win. What I think will happen is Mack will throw three touchdowns and we'll have an on to Cincinnati type of game on you guys. And it's like, gosh, dang it. <laughs> Dude, it, it, it. It's wild, man. And, you know, as a Raiders fan, we've been pretty much perennial losers since my entire adult life. <clears throat> and we have Max Crosby and Max Crosby is literally our entire defense. Um. You know, we got Marcus Peters out there, and he is like 100 years old in, in pro years. 
We're, it's just embarrassing. It's just absolutely embarrassing. And then you got Devontae Adams. I mean, Devontae Adams and Max Crosby are literally just wasting prime, talented years being a Raider. And it just pisses me off because I, I really liked our GM hire. I, I was trying to give McDaniels a chance, but it's just uh, they just cannot put it together. And, and it's such a it's such an absolute bummer. But speaking of the Detroit Lions, like I literally started the Detroit Lions defense in fantasy this past week. They are like a fringe top 10 fantasy football team defense. Like <laughs> it is times are changing. Like it's literally a running joke in uh, the show, the league where if anyone's watched it, like Ruxin is sitting there and they're waiting on Pete to show up to the draft. It's like literally like the first episode. And they're and uh, Kevin, the commissioner, is like stalling, and Russ is like, "All right, all right, stop with the stop with the stalling." He's like, "If Pete isn't here in like the next five seconds, he's gonna take so and so or the Detroit Lions defense." Like that was like literally, <laughs> and I'm sitting here starting them, and they got me like 15 points. Like so, like I don't yeah. know, it, uh, it's crazy. The Lions have become one of the best teams in the league. It's freaking <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. Yep. And the craziest part is, is they're doing it without Calvin Johnson, without Barry Sanders, without Matthew Stafford, guys that are like perennial team hall of famers, hall of famers in the NFL, some of the greatest players in the history of the league, they couldn't win with, but now all of a sudden they have like these, these average Joe Schmoes. Really? I mean, there's nobody, there's no superstar on that team. There ain't no, I mean, really, the biggest superstar is potentially pass rusher Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Shout out Aiden. But, um, yeah, you know, I've already done lost a bet, so I, I'm rooting on the Lions, truthfully, um, quietly. But I am. Don't repeat that. I, um, I, I want to see them win, but I also don't. because. All right, so let me hear me out. <clears throat> I want to see the Lions win. They're local. They've been through a lot of shit. And I would be the same way, but I don't want to see it for this reason because the Lions fans in here are going to be so goddamn annoying. And especially with Shane in our league, it is it is going to be intolerable at times. <clears throat> and I'm not looking forward to it. But then again, they have every right to be excited and happy. So I'm just kind of around the fence. I'm, so I'm, I'm dreading It's a bittersweet. Yeah, the Lions are the only Detroit team that I just don't have any ties to. Um, I would love for the Pistons or the Tigers to kind of become that that championship-level team so that I can engage in this hostility and this, like, trash talk and this arrogance. I would love that. But unfortunately, you know, the Tigers seem like they're still quite a bit away, and the Pistons, though there's a lot of super young pieces, they're probably at least four years away still. And then the, the, I've never been a huge hockey guy, so the Red Wings don't really do much for me. But they seem like they're still a little bit away, and it is what it is. But the Lions, they're the, they're the bright spot of Detroit. Weirdly enough, D- Detroit is just the phenomenal, phenomenal sports town. And when you have, a, like, the Lions are on the come up, right? But if you have two teams in this city where they're actually competitive, it's just there's a there's an energy around everybody that it just, it's just very infectious. It's phenomenal. So like, um, I don't mean to drag this pot on any farther, but like, you no, know, I'm, I'm here for it. Tigers were in their peak in the 2010s, you know, they're competing for the world series. The red wings were in the playoffs every year. 
and the Pistons, you know, are, you know, were the Pistons, but they were still watchable. It's just, um, it's just, there's something to look forward to every weekend every, and, you know, all year round. And so it's just something different about the vibes you get in the city when you have good pro sports teams. Yeah. The Red Wings were kind of the New England Patriots of hockey. All they did was win championships or were competing for championships in the playoffs every year, making deep runs. You know, the Pistons have had two different time periods, both where it wasn't one individual guy. It was a team effort, defense, uh, gritty, hard work. Um, you know, it's the it's the auto industry of, of the United States of America. It's Detroit. It's the Motor City. You know, the Lions have always kind of been that team that's behind. The Tigers have had promise. Obviously, won it in the 80s. Uh, in the 2000, call it 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, almost 14 range. They had some contending teams, but it just never really got the job done. But you're like you said, when Detroit is good, the fans show up, they support the team, they rep the gear, they pay for it. I mean, hell, Michigan's. Michigan, this is the best Michigan team of my life. Um, and it seems like everywhere you look now, people are wearing Michigan. People are talking about, I mean, Michigan's at an all-time high. I mean, this is this is where we're at. So, I mean, I mean, real quick, too, <coughs> like the game that me, you, and, and, and Dave went to for uh, the Friday game for, for Miggy's send-off, like that, was, that game had no implications whatsoever between the, the Guardians and the Tigers, but because that was Miggy's last weekend, it was almost a sold-out crowd. Everyone's standing. Everyone's having a good time. No riffraff. Like, goddamn, like, that was like, why can't this happen again? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah we, we talked about it that night. We're like, we just want to be here for a meaningful game. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, I talked about this with you on the last pod. The last several games I've been to for the Tigers – have been quote unquote meaningful games because there's some sort of thing going on, whether it was Miggy going for 500 or Shea Hotani was in town or it's Miggy's last weekend. Like I want to go to a game that is a big deal because the team's really good and there's a playoff implication, not because there's a milestone or because there's some storyline or because there's a big time player in town. Like I want to go to a game that the place is packed because the team needs to win a game. Like, that's mm. what I want. For the Pistons, for the Tigers, for the city of Detroit. And it seems like the Lions have that. Freaking Eminem and his daughter at the game. I mean, that was, I mean, city of Detroit always loves to see Eminem. Um, yeah, Lions are on top of the world, man. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully Michigan will be here in the next, uh, by the oh, end of the year. Please God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nice little close. Talked a little bit of a little bit of random stuff there, a little bit of other sports. But uh, anything else from you, sir? All good, buddy. Yeah, hockey season's underway. Uh, Michigan basketball kicks off November seventh. Um, so lots of fun, lots and lots of fun. So um, we'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening, and uh, go blue. Go blue.